Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. If you've been around for a while, you're very aware who my friend and coach Christina LaCure is. And if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, let me give you a brief synopsis of who she is. Christina is a confidence and success coach, has a mastermind program, a network connecting like-minded women off social media and a podcast. Today, we're going to switch gears though, and dive into her story of climbing the world's tallest freestanding mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro. You guys, she never even slept in a tent before this trip and had less than 30 days to prepare. The trip helped raise over a million dollars for the Stollery Children's Hospital, a place that is near and dear to my heart because my son spent some time there when he was just a few months old. I can't wait to dive in to hear about all of Christina's journey to the summit and the ways that it transformed her as she helped to transform many little people's lives with the funds that were raised. Okay. I'm so excited to switch gears and talk about this climb. Like I love hiking. I love climbing, but Mount Kilimanjaro, like seriously, can you talk about how a girl who never slept in a tent before, um, ended up climbing one of the world's tallest mountains? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again for having me. I love you. I adore you. I'm honored to have been on the podcast before you've been on mine. It's so exciting. Um, and then when you asked me, you're like, Hey, can we record another podcast on Kilimanjaro? I was like, Oh my God, absolutely. hundred percent. I haven't talked about it in forever. It is crazy. It, I was, I'm so blessed to know that it happened right before the world changed. And I don't know if it'll ever happen again like that. Uh, we went in 2019 and, um, I can kind of tell you like how do you want me to tell you like how it all came happened yes okay cool so I um before I really got into coaching full-time 110 percent I used to do corporate and charity golf events and for 10 years I went up to Alberta Canada where I'm originally from I now live in Arkansas and I went up there to do my salary children's hospital charity tee up for tots golf event that I've done for, you know, 10 years. And we all go to dinner the night before and all of the board members are there. And it's just like fun because I know everyone. And it's just been amazing over the years to be a part of that event. And, you know, we're just kicked back with a glass of wine bullshitting. And I'm like, okay, so what's next after tomorrow's golf tournament? And they're like, well, we're going to climb Kilimanjaro. I was like, fuck, that is so cool. Where is that? (laughs) And like, literally, like I had heard of it. Right. But like, I had no idea where it was. And they're like, it's in Africa. And I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. And they're like, yeah, you should come. And I was like, yeah, I should come. That would be fun. And then it kind of got like a bit quiet and they're like, no, we actually want you to come. Like, that's what this dinner is about. And I was like, what? I was like, you're, I'm like, you're joking. Right. I was like, you guys, they're like, no, no, no. We love your energy. You got, you have been a part of this, you know, board for a while. Like I'm not on the board obviously, but you've been a part of this for a really long time. There's only two other women going. We think that you would be amazing. We want you to come. And I was just like, my mind was blown. I was like, 
where is Kilimanjaro? And like, I literally remember grabbing my phone and Googling, where is Kilimanjaro? Like no idea. And newsflash for those of you who are grabbing your phone and Googling, where is Kilimanjaro? It is in Tanzania, Africa. And so it was just like the littlest, stupidest things that went through my head that I was like, well, how do you fly there? Like, where do you go? Like just the silliest little things. Like how much does this cost? Like just so many things. And by the night's end, they're like, and I was like, yeah, sure. Let me talk to my husband. And in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want to do this. But then part of me was like, Christina, like they're leaving in like less than six weeks. Like this is probably a really bad idea. Like you've literally never hiked anything in your life. Like to me, going camping is sleeping in a hotel. Like if <laughs> cold water, like I'm dead serious. Like that is just, I am not extremely bougie person, but there's certain things that I'm bougie about and a bed and a toilet and a shower is one of them. And, um, I, the next day at the golf tournament. So I kind of thought, okay, like they've been like, we all had a couple glasses of wine. Maybe that was just like a nice offer. Like, oh, you should come. But in the back of their mind, they're like, no, we don't want you to come. The next day they pulled me aside and we're like, we're dead serious. We need to know by the end of the week, if you want to come and, or if you can come. And like, I, that wasn't something like I was at home in Canada for four or five days to do this golf tournament, see my parents fly back down, come home. That's not a conversation you should have with your spouse, you know, over a telephone call. So I, um, told my parents like while I was at home, cause I was, I staying with them for two nights and my mom is like such a scaredy cat about everything. So my mom's like, bad idea, bad idea. Don't do it. My dad's like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Right. And I'm so much for my dad in, in a lot of regards, but part of me was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And so then I flew home and on the way home, Nathan, um, I told him, I was like, Hey, I've got something really big to ask you. And he knows how much the Stollery board loves me. And like, I don't say this, like, you know, I'm not tooting my horn, but they really do. Like I've done a lot of great things for them. And he is just like, I know they're guaranteed. They're offering you some like job that you like literally can't say no to or something like that. I'm like, Nope something completely different. So he comes home. I, I get home that night. I remember cooking dinner. We sat out in the backyard and I was like, okay, do you want to know? And he's like, started to guess. I was like, trust me, you might as well shut up. Cause there's no chance in hell you're guessing, guessing this. And so I said to him, I was like, they've asked me to go on Kilimanjaro and it's in a very expensive trip. I mean, like minimum 10, 10,000 plus, you know, the, the flights and the travel and all that. And, you know, it, it was just, it was definitely a huge deal. And not only just that, it's like, it's climbing a mountain, right? Like people have died doing this and that just never even crossed my mind, but like physically, could I do it? Like mentally, could I do this? And I knew mentally I had an upper hand and like, it's not like I'm, you know, 300 pounds and like never move my body. So I knew that like I could physically, but I didn't know, like, when you think of climbing a mountain, I immediately think of clamp-ons and like axes, pickaxes into the mountain. Well, that's not what Kilimanjaro is, right? Kilimanjaro, you really don't need those except for like one day and you don't really actually use them. But um, the minute I just said it to Nathan, I said, babe, I will not make this big, really big decision without you, but I kind of want to do it. And I, I do have like the greatest husband ever who's like, I'm never going to tell you no for something that you want to do. So if it's safe, 
and you want to do it, I want you to go. And that night at dinner, I had two days left to tell them that night at dinner, I made the decision. My mindset was I am going the next day I signed the papers. And the day after that, I went on Amazon and bought everything on the buying list you needed, including everything from like shoes to clothes to whatever. But like I became obsessed for the next month in thinking, oh, my God, Christina, are you actually going to do this and and starting to prepare physically? Because that's my biggest fear was like, am I going to be able to do this? Oh, my gosh. So a couple of things like how crazy I know with some decisions, like when something is offered and there's somebody else in your life, then it can be really um, scary to um, share the news because if it's a something you want to do or you're not sure about, but it also affects the other person as well. So sharing that news and what a blessing that, you know, I know he is very supportive and says like, whatever you want to do, if this is something that, you know, speaks to but you. It is, a, it is a big deal. Thank you for pointing that out. Like, yeah, it was a big deal for him. So not only, you know, it was a two week trip, I think 17 days, maybe total or something like that. I remember I left on October 1st. Um, and I like signed the papers, like, August 29th or 30th or 31st or whatever. So I literally had a month, but yeah, it's a big deal. My husband doesn't know anyone that I'm going with. He is sending me off to Africa, which is, you know, 30 hours away by plane to climb a mountain, which I have never done and paying a lot of money to do it. So yeah, I I did ask him if he wanted to come because I think it would have been an amazing experience had he um, come with us, but I'm at, like, there's two sides to that coin. Looking back, I'm glad he didn't because it was a different, it would have been a different experience. Had he been there, I wouldn't have grown so much at, for myself, but also too, I'm so sad that he didn't like my, my bl- plan was that we were going back in 2020 and we were going to do it together. Well, the universe had a different plan with COVID, but Oh my gosh. Okay. That was one of my questions is, would you do it again? So you would no question, no questions asked. I almost died, but a hundred percent, I would do it tomorrow. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. So, um, what would you have said if you would have been apprehensive or said like, uh, I don't know, like your safety, it's 30 hours away. Like you, I don't know any of these people. If he would have said, you know, I'm not really sure. Do you think you would have done it anyways? Or do you think you would have like politely said no? Um, I think I would have continued to have the conversations with Nathan and kind of got to the root of why he didn't want me to go. You know, I can tell you in our whole entire 18, 19 years or whatever it's been that we've been together, I've never told him no, and he's never told me no. Um, and that's a mutual respect. That's a mutual trust. You know, if, if it was something that was going to be you know, really like if there was a really, really, really good reason behind it, I would have totally respected him. And I think he would have respected me, but just knowing our relationship, I just knew that he wasn't going to say no. Mm, I love that. I know. I just think of like, personally for me, like if I was offered something like this, maybe I'd be like, yes, I'm in. But then if my husband were to come home with the news and be like, oh my gosh, I'm climbing this mountain, like forever away. And it's just going to be this amazing experience. And I'd be like, oh, but maybe I want to come too. I I don't know. (laughs) No, it was definitely more of like, I wanted him to come. Like when we first signed up for it, like knowing the experience now, like behind, like 
obviously hindsight is 2020, but like knowing the experience now, I'm so glad I went without him and not, there wasn't another person on that trip who had a spouse. And I will tell you, I think that's like the best thing because it allowed you to like really break out of your comfort zone. And that's the only reason why I say that I'm glad he wasn't there is because when you have like almost that safety net, it keeps you safe. Like I would not have had the connections with those other 11 human beings had I had him there. It would have been a completely different dynamic. And so that's the only reason why I say that, but no one else had their spouse or partner or best friend or whatever there as well. That, And I think that that's one of the reasons why everyone connected as well as we did. Okay. I have so many questions. Oh my gosh. Okay. Back to the gear. So you have like 30 days. Amazon is your best friend. You've got all this stuff coming. Like how, how did you find out? Like, what do you need to, um, oh, take this on this guiding thing? company that we had, it was called, um, Tusker trail. And I'll tell you, if you're ever going to do it, hire them. They're like the bougiest, bestest, care about you people ever, but Tusker trail, they send you like, literally, this is like sign your life away type of situation. Like you sign a contract, like if you die, it's not their fault kind of situation. And like, when you're signing things, you're like, yeah, whatever. But like, no, for reals, for reals, it was like 80 pages. Right. But there's a huge like thing of everything to buy. And, you know, I, I believe, and obviously you know this about me, but your audience might not, is that I believe everything happens for a purpose and a reason. And so like a week after I had um, signed up to say, to say that I'd go and I started ordering everything. And to me, like the number one thing I was most scared about was getting my boots. Like I wanted to get my boots so bad, so quickly, so I could break them in because like, that was the number one thing, right? Like get your boots, start wearing them. Like I wore them to the gym. I, and guys, it's 105 degrees here in Arkansas when I'm training. Cause I'm training in like September. And it's so hot. The Canadians, cause there's 11 Canadians and me, the Canadians are like training, like where it's cold and raining and all the thing it's 105 degrees. And like my main thing here is breaking in these boots. So I'm on the stairmaster at the gym in my boots. I'm walking the neighborhood in my boots. I'm hiking, uh, like what we have here called pinnacle mountain in my boots, carrying a backpack with weights in it. But my main thing was ordering the boots, but they give you a list of everything that you need to buy. So it's like, it's very to a science. They've done this 8,000 times. And so they give you everything that you need to do. But for me, the main thing on that was the boot. Oh yeah. Back to the thing. I was playing golf a week after I said yes, that I would do it. And sure enough, I tell the guys that I'm playing with, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm climbing Kilimanjaro. And one of the guy goes, Oh my God my neighbor, she just got back. And I was like, you've got to be shitting me. What are the odds of that? So a woman who lives probably 10 minute drive from me, I got her phone number, called her, went over to her house. She told me everything. It was the biggest godsend ever. Her name is uh, Trissy. And I was like, oh my gosh, you were like little, my little angel. It was perfect. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So let's talk about these connections and these people that you climbed with. So you're on your own. You don't have your safety. You don't have your, you know, husband to crawl into at night. We'll talk about like you had your own tent. So we'll get into that, but you didn't have your safe space. So you really had to get out of your comfort zone and connect with all these people. So who are some of the people that you climbed with and what are, what were some of the, I don't know, conversations that connect the connections of vulnerability, like how did climbing this mountain together, um, 
how did it look? Yeah. So everyone I had known besides one person I had met through the stallery, but like known is like, Hey, shake your hand, say hi. Not like known, known, known. And like, so obviously everyone had flown over on different routes over to Africa. I obviously came from the States, so I didn't really know anyone. So I arrived there like the first night and like the first night and you guys like, I am training to climb a fucking mountain. I get there the first night. Everyone is hammered I'm talking like so drunk don't even know what's up or fucking down and I'm thinking to myself I'm like um do y'all know we're about to go climb a fucking mountain like what is happening but they were all just so excited either way like not everyone but like I'd say six out of the 12 were just like could not even stand and I'm thinking oh my freaking lord what am I got myself into like in a in a nice hotel, like our first night was at a hotel in um, Tanzania. So they're hammered at this like, it's like a bougie, like African hotel. It was beautiful. It was really nice. But I'm just kind of thinking you guys are out of your fucking mind. I didn't have one glass of alcohol for like three weeks leading up to this thing, let alone like the night before we fucking pack our shit and get on a mountain. But um, so the people on this group. And obviously like they're board members, they're successful type, a high achieving, like athletes, everyone there is very fit, you know, like it's a bit intimidating. Like these are very successful human beings. And I'm honored to say that I, you know, I guess I was a part of that, but you know, that could have gone, we've all talked about it because when we've got finished, we all said, you know what, it was the greatest experience of our lives. But the thing that was crazy is that could have gone sideways so easily. You get 12 very successful type A, high achieving, opinionated type one type of people in a pack walking up a mountain that could have gone sideways and egos could have come involved and people could have like shown out like it could have been disastrous. I'm not telling I'm telling you the honest to God truth. There was not one moment that it was awkward. There was not one moment where someone made a fool of themselves. There is not one moment that it wasn't 100% support. I will tell you the only reason why that trip was so amazing is because of the people. Like it was amazing. Like the people that went made the trip period. And how, like, how did this group of people, what was they were it? all board members? They were all board members of the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation, um, uh, Tea Up for Tots. They were all board members. And, you know, I, they all guess wanted like some bucket list trip that they wanted to do. And they all wanted to support the Stollery. Like everyone raised a crap ton of money. Um, you know, like in combined, we raised over a million dollars together. Um, you know, people supported us to climb up this mountain and yeah, it was, uh, it was just the greatest group. There was three women, including myself. So two other women. And then, um, yeah, the rest of them were, were board members. It was amazing. That's insane. That, that group of people, I mean, once you get out on the mountain, it's like really just you and the mountain and things are kind of stripped back and all of the all the stuff, you know, in the city, in our daily life is stripped away and it's just like human to human connection. So, and that was, that's exactly where I thrive in life. Like to me, that is 
there is nothing more important than who you are as a human being. And I am like so open and so vulnerable. Like we had conversations on that mountain within the first two days that most people, especially men wouldn't have their whole entire lives. Like we were going deep within like literally two days. And you know, that that's something super special that will never happen again. Like people like on the mountain, you know, they let out their deepest, darkest secrets. There was people who like, had like literally epiphany moments that came home and changed things in their lives. Like it was one of those kind of God moments for a lot of people. I I can't tell you, you know, obviously you didn't ask this question, but I can't tell you that I had like an epiphany moment where something changed for me on the mountain, because I think I'm so used to living in that mindset of being like trusting and being open to what God's, you know, telling me. But I do think that like, it, it did make me go, I want more of this. Like I want more deep, real conversation in life. Mm, I love that. Okay. So what you're climbing this mountain for like many days to get to this amount, like what are some of the thoughts in that quiet space that you had just hiking? Like, was your mind just clear or like, what were the thoughts coming up through this time? Gosh, you know, it's two and a half years ago now. It's hard to remember what some of them were, but you know, one of the nicest things ever is the fact that like, I was totally checked out. Like I did not have self-service besides like maybe two or three times I was completely off social media. I will say that like my team was running my social media a little bit, but what I did that most people didn't realize is that I documented the journey on my video. And I started, when I actually started posting the video, I was already off the mountain. And so like when it kind of got dodgy is like people thought I was going to die. They thought it was real life, but like, it was like seven, I guess, seven days delayed because the whole trip I think was, I think we did the nine days up. I think we were actually on the mountain nine days. Okay. I got to ask this. Do you, okay. I wasn't sure because, you know, climbing mountains in Canada, it can be hot. You get sweaty. Like you start in the, in the rainforest or whatever it is at the bottom and you get up and it gets cold. Do you a bring like baby wipes to like take care of the smell? Okay. Or do, do you even sweat and stink because it's like colder at the top? No, it's all of the things like you use baby wipes. So we use something called dude wipes. So that's how we had showers every day. Dude wipes, a dude wipe shower. Like there was no showers. There was no toilets. You, you literally, mind you, they were so great. They made these little toilet tents that you, they put a toilet seat on a bucket and that was your toilet. But like most of the time, the only time you use that is when you're going number two, besides that you just pee out in the open, like behind a rock or whatever at nighttime. I just literally at nighttime, I stepped out of my tent, peed and stepped back in. Like literally like that was all we did, but yeah, you wanted to wash your feet and your body and your face, like you're dirty. And so every night, like I had a really like by about day three, I was like jamming. I had a really good kind of routine about like taking off all my dirty clothes and like hanging them up on these like little wires that I brought and like giving myself a dude white bath and putting on my quote unquote clean clothes and like clean shoes and wiping, you know, between your toes and things like that, that you really wanted to 
you know, keep up. One thing that I did, which was such a win, it must've been like a God type of download. When I was, had a layover in Amsterdam on the way to the mountain, I had a, I had like about 18 hours in Amsterdam and it was so good. Like I got an awesome hotel because I wanted to like get one last really amazing hot shower and fill up my water bottles. Cause I was so afraid I was going to die from their water. Like, you know, just little things like that. But I went and I thought, gosh, the thing that's going to be the grossest on this trip is I, I have really long hair. And so I was like, I went into a, a salon when I was walking around Amsterdam and I was like, Hey, is there anyone here that can French braid my hair? And I went to like three salons. And finally this woman at a men's barber shop, she was like, I think she must've been like the owner's wife or something. She's like, I can do it. I don't even know what I paid. I can't remember like what I paid, but she did the tightest French, two French braids down the middle of my hair. And that was the best thing that I could have possibly done because for literally two weeks straight, my hair stayed in those French braids and I didn't have to screw with it. I was like, that was literally the smartest thing that I did on the trip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. And I, that was something that popped into my mind because I have this like crazy mane of hair. Um, and we hiked my husband and I, and his friend, uh, hiked a couple of years ago or something. And, you know, my husband, you know, I can get into the woods. I can do the things I can camp. Um, and you know, sometimes he makes fun of me about like blow drying my hair or like <clears throat> needing to get the hair. Um, and then on his, this hike, his friend Trevor has like shoulder length hair and his friend took a brush out of his pack and started brushing his hair. And I was like, Hell yes. To my husband, look at that. If Trevor can bring a brush hiking for these two or three days, I like that's permission. Like I'm bringing a brush to hike. So yeah, you had your hair in these little French braids. So like, thank goodness. Did any of the others girls hair get, I just feel like mine would be rat nested, like falling out. I mean, everyone brought a brush, like you brought travel like travel size things, you know, like travel size brushes and soaps and stuff like that, but you never really freaking use them. And, but like, yeah, I, I don't know how I thought of it. It was just like a, like a, a download. It must've been like a God moment where I was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to get my hair braided. And then like, I kept it in there, but man, taking it out. Oh, I've like, my head was sore. I thought my hair was going to fall out. That's what everyone kept telling me on the mountain. They're like, your hair is going to fall out. Your hair is going to fall out. And I was like, don't you dare say that you really mean people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And some of the videos I watched on your highlight bubble for Mount Kilimanjaro. Another thing is your lips really burnt and your nose was, um, burnt too. Like the sun up there is so like, I mean, I had sunscreen on every single day, but again, like you're so dirty and like you feel gross and then you're putting sunscreen on. Like, I'm surprised I didn't break out in horrible, horrible acne, but no, my lips, even when I go to the beach, my lips are like the first thing to burn. But yeah, my lips were so, so sore by the end of it. Cause they were just burnt to the high hell. Like they're blistered. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're climbing up this mountain. Um, you've got your hair braided, you've got some of your essentials. Um, but it's not easy the whole way up. Like there are some videos of you where, you know, it is, you're maybe like questioning, like, am I going to make it down from this? Like, what the hell did I sign up for when the wind is blowing sideways? It's minus 
I don't even know how cold it was up there, freezing cold, and you are not feeling well, like you are experiencing some, is it altitude sickness? Altitude there? sickness. Yeah. So leading up. So I was actually like, by far, there was two guys and myself that like, just bebopped up the mountain till the very last summit day. Like I was like, I, I ate, like, I was so pissed. Like I thought I was going to go and like lose all this weight and come back like a rock star. I like fucking weighed the exact same thing. I was so gutted. Like I ate such good food. Those people cooked the whole entire time. Like they literally brought up ingredients like on their head to cook. Like it was the most, if you're climbing a mountain, I did it the best way you possibly could. Like it was amazing, but, um, the food was awesome. I like peanut butter toast every morning. The dinners were phenomenal. They cooked me a birthday cake one day. Like that's how crazy it was. Like, I don't remember, I guess I would have been 36. Maybe. I don't know. They, they cooked me a birthday cake. Like it was amazing. But, um, I, I was just bebopping along like, yeah, a slight headache. And I'm not one for medicine. So, um, everyone else on the trip took, um, a medicine for altitude sickness. I decided not to. So I took, um, and I'm the only one who apparently has done that for forever, but I was just like, ah, I don't want to take a prescription medicine. It's just not me. So, um, I took like two Tylenol every single morning that just to try to ward off the headaches from the, um, altitude, but I was totally fine up until the very last day. So the day that we summited was by far the worst weather that Kilimanjaro has seen in forever. We did like every single one of us was like, we're not going, they're not going to let us go. There's no chance. Cause like, so we wake up this morning we have to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning. Cause you start out really early and every single one of us at breakfast is like, oh, we're not even going. Like, there's no way they're going to let us go. Sure as shit. They start packing up and we're like, what we're doing this. It's literally minus 30 something Celsius. I don't even know. Minus 30 something Celsius. It is so cold. It is blackout because you're hiking in the night because you got to get up there and get back down in the same day. Wind is coming sideways. And you guys, I hate the cold. Like I despise the cold there's to me there's nothing else worse than being cold but like we're going we're doing it and it's like you have so much adrenaline like the whole entire trip one thing that I will say is that everyone who came home from the trip we were all like I don't want to say clinically depressed but we were all depressed when we got home uh, during some point in time we all kind of talked about it on side messages and, and stuff like that and I actually talked to a therapist after about a week because I was like what's wrong with me but everyone talks about how like so basically if you think about it I signed up for that trip a month before we left then the whole entire entire time we were there and then the travel back you have so much adrenaline running through you for such a long period of time that it takes your body like time to get back to a normal state. And it probably took me two solid weeks for people who know me. I am so high vibe. I love my normal life. Like I wasn't sad about coming home. I was so excited to come home. But once I got home, there was about two weeks where I was really depressed. Like I didn't really want to do anything. I didn't really like my job. I, I didn't really like my husband. Like I just didn't want to do anything. And a lot of times and, and I talked to a therapist about it and she said it's because for such a long period of time, I was running on like the highest, like 10 out of 10 level of endorphins and adrenaline and excitement. And like that never went down. 
So the day that we were summiting, which was our last day, you know, or our last day going up, it, it takes seven days to go up, two days to go down. I think seven, or it was either nine and two or seven and two, whatever. I don't know if we were up there 11 days or nine days. I can't remember. Maybe it was 11 days. Uh, yeah, maybe it was 11 days. But anyway, you're going up for all the days because you walk so slowly to acclimatize yourself to the altitude. But then on the way down, they're just like, get off, let's go. <laughs> but because um, you're supposed to start feeling better as you go down. But all of that to be said is like, so you're even though it's freezing and it's the last day and all the things. Well, on the last day, it's so cold, but it's miserable. But halfway up, like the first halfway up the last day to summit, and I had done really, really well up until that point. But all of a sudden, I started slurring my words. And all of a sudden, I started saying, like, I don't want to die. And I started feeling sick. And I kept telling the guide, I was like, don't let me die. Don't let me die. I don't want to die. So like, he's like, you're not going to die. But thankfully, thankfully, since I was my, and they, by the way, they test your vitals every single day, they test your oxygen, they test all sorts of things. And thankfully up until then I was picture perfect up until summit day. Like, so it's not like things were starting to change. It's not like I had felt sick. It's not like some of the people who are way fitter than me, because it's not about fitness. It's about how your body reacts to altitude. A lot of people did not do good on that trip, feeling really sick, lethargic, don't want to eat, got the shits, like got throwing up. I didn't have nothing. I was picture perfect until summit day. But about halfway up on summit day, I started feeling really bad. So altitude sickness was starting to get to me. Thankfully, I'm so thankful my guides let me go all the way up. I took two, three pictures. And if you look at my highlight bubbles on Be Christina, you'll see like, I don't look right on that final day. I'm kind of all out of it. Don't know what up from down. Such an emotional experience, such an emotional experience. Like I can't even tell you. But so I get up, I summit, we did the thing, took the photos, everyone's crying, get back. And they immediately said, You're down, go. Like two minutes. I literally, I don't even know if it was a full two minutes that they were allowed that I was allowed to stay up there. A couple of the people in our party unfortunately weren't able to summit. Did they just got they were altitude wise, just couldn't do it. Their vitals didn't look good. They were on oxygen and all the things, but they send me down ahead of the rest of the crew. Cause I had to get off. And so they send me down with a private guide guy. And it's just like, you're still on adrenaline. It's so amazing. But when I got back to the tent, they gave me a medicine to help with the altitude sickness for the brain swelling. And I had an allergic reaction to that. So that's why I got really sick as everyone else was starting to do so much better because we were going lower the next day we started going lower. I started to get sicker and sicker when everyone else was getting better and better. Oh my gosh. I know I watched those videos and you can tell even your face. Yeah. Your face was swollen the way that you were speaking, like something was up. So mm -hmm. being sent down. Okay. Like you said it was really emotional, like to oh. actually like get up to the summit. You had your few minutes up there. Like what was that experience like? 
it was incredible. It was truly the most incredible experience to do it with those people, to say that you say that you were going to do something. And one mindset thing I wanted everyone to hear, because this is very, very important for me um, to say is, you know, my faith is really important to me. My mindset, what I do for a job is very important to me. And I want to always be the person who kind of like walks the walk and talks the talk. The day that I signed the papers to go to Kilimanjaro, I don't know if it was like August 30th or whatever it is. I started writing down every single day. I will summit healthy and safely and return home in first class, drinking a glass of champagne and return to my husband every fucking day, every minute of the day. When I was training, when I was doubting myself, when I was flying towards like Africa, like all of the things I was like obsessed. I will return healthy and safely in business class, drinking a glass of champagne. And like, I didn't even buy a business class seat on the way home because like my thought process was like, I'm going to upgrade because like, that's going to be my reward and all the things. But I was like determined, like I had seen it in my head. I was visualizing it. I was talking about it. Like I was going to return healthy and safely. And like, I just kept saying that. And guess what? On the way up the mountain that day, that is the only thing I was repeating to myself because it for a month and a couple days, it had been on autopilot. So that last day where it was only taking us like maybe six hours, it felt like 67 hours. But I was repeating that phrase to myself, I will summit healthy and safely. And for me, that was such a big part of it is that like, I wasn't going to die. Like I, I knew I wasn't because in my brain, I had already told myself for months and months and months, thousands of times that this is what was going to happen. And so like, I just think it's really important to remember that like, I was preparing for that, even though I only had a month to prepare, I was preparing for it. Like my life depended on it. And, you know, I'm not going to say I was, I was going to die, but like, there was no option in my brain then summiting period. Okay. So I want to talk about that because your mindset is like steel. Like we that about you. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> you have unwavering, unwavering faith. You set up yourself for success. Like Correct. when you decide something like you're all in, you do your affirmations, like there, there's no other option. Like you, this is what is happening for you. So with a mindset like that, Like, how do you go from believing that and staying true and like, just being so like steel, I just feel like it's like, it's so unwavering. Like if Christina says she's doing something like you watch her because (laughs) it just is happening, but how do you balance that and safety? Like, you know. Well, thank you. And yeah, Nathan had like, I, so I had talked to Nathan the night before we summited. And one of the things that we were able to do, if we were safe, there was only two guiding companies in the world that allow you to actually spend the night on the summit because it is like the oxygen is so low and it is so cold and it is not safe to do so unless you are with right, properly trained people that have like the oxygen and the medicine and all the fun things. And the night before I, like was feeling fine before we went to summit. And, um, you know, I, I said to Nate, cause they gave us the option. Does anyone want to stay there? And there was these two guys that were doing good and myself. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know. Like, I think I want to, like, these guys are going to be up there. Like I, I, I want to do this. So I called my husband that night and I go, babe, like, 
I think I want to stay inside the summit, like, which is, it's an old volcano, but I was like, I think I want to stay up there. And he said to me that health wise, he said, what, how are you health wise? And I was like, my vitals are perfect. And I asked the guides, I said, if I was your wife, would you allow your wife to stay up there? And the two guides were like, only if I'm the guide. <laughs> and so I told my husband that, and my husband, that's really when we coined our phrase, we do hard things. And my husband said to me, so as long as you're safe, we do hard things. So pack your shit, go stay in the summer. Uh, you know, unfortunately I didn't get to do it. And it actually worked out fortunately because the guys who did it said it was the most miserable time they've ever had in their life. But all of that to be said is, um, I, since I was sick, they had to get me down immediately saying it was not an option, but, um, health wise, you know, they check your vitals. They make sure you're okay. They've got, you know, uh, there, there is a helicopter landing pad two places on the mountain to get you down if you need, but health wise, I was fine until, um, we got back. So we got back to the hotel, everyone's drinking and celebrating and all the things. And I can barely walk into my cabin. I can barely walk in. Like I, and I was recording this the whole entire time, just because I had recorded for two straight weeks. I wasn't going to stop now, but I almost collapsed in the shower. And luckily one of the guys knew I wasn't doing good because I was quiet and I just was like slurring my words and they sent one of the girls in. And that's really when I was like, I, I I'm, gonna die like I kept saying I'm gonna die I'm gonna die don't let don't let them I think I was repeating don't let them take me because I didn't want to go to an African hospital by myself but that's really when I stopped answering my phone like Nathan knew I should have been down and my parents knew I should have been down but I didn't answer my phone because I didn't want them to worry because like what the fuck are they gonna do they're 30 hours away by air um but I, and I wasn't really cognizant of it, but they sent, that's when they sent the doctor to my, to my room. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Everybody, you should be celebrating a new, is that from the allergic reaction? Correct. That yeah. So that was from the allergic reaction. So what it was doing is I couldn't breathe. Cause I kept saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Like I kept pushing my arm, my head up and grabbing my throat because, um, it was cutting off my airways. Cause I was having like an anaphylactic, whatever it's called reaction to it. So by the time like that night, I was so lucky the two women that were on the trip, they were so kind. They slept in the same little tiny bed so I could sleep in the same room so they could kind of watch me. Um, but then they brought the doctor to the hotel, which I'm very, very thankful for. Um, so I didn't have to go to an African hospital, which is the last thing I really wanted to do. And, um, they gave me a, a, a some sort of medicine that made the, like that counteracted the allergic reaction. Oh gosh. Okay. So you made it down. I just want to touch on yeah. guides. Cause you keep talking about like the guides, this company, like the food, they had you like cooking you all this food, um, like carrying all this stuff for you, the food on their heads going up, um, and their energy in this company. Like I saw a couple of videos of them, like singing and there, I could feel like the energy of these guides. So like, do you think, um, the guides also are like one of the top? Oh, a hundred percent. Like they were so freaking awesome. So we had three main guides and then we had, um, I think there was like 60 porters with us. So the, the, we had three, like of our main guys, one was the head guy and then his two, um, 
like side by side guys, but we had three main guys who were in guides who were in charge of all the things. And then we had like 60 porters who carried everything from our bags to the toilet, to the food. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just all of it. So there was 12 of us and there was like, uh, yeah, I want to be like 60 or 70 of them. And we were all like, we set up our camp in certain areas. So like ours was called Tusker trail. And, you know, there's thousands of people on the mountain, you know, sometimes at camps, you know, there's 20 other, um, 20 other like groups going up. And then at some camps it was kind of quiet, but like the main summit camp, like the, the camp right before the day that you summited, there was thousands of people, thousands of people, but you feel like you're alone because you're on this mountain. And then once you get to camp, you're like, Oh fuck, there's like another 2000 people here. It's pretty crazy. But are the people who own that company and the way that they treated us and how kind they were and how much fun we had and how they really just were all about, you know, our safety and our happiness was awesome. Oh, I love that. Okay. So now you're flying back. Yeah. In business class with a glass of champagne. I upgraded that bitch for sure. Are you kidding? Of course I manifested that hundred percent. So like the day after I got sick, I woke up that next day and that's when we were drinking champagne and we went for massages and we walked around town. We had two full days before we all took off. Some of them actually went, um, to a little beach town. Uh, they flew over to a beach town af- off, off the coast of Africa, but I had already been away from my husband for two weeks. I wanted to come home. I was ready to come home, but yeah, I upgraded to like, I think there was one seat left. And of course it was for me and I didn't care how much it cost, but I flew home in that lay down bed with a glass of champagne because that was what I said I was going to do. And you know, that I think, I hope your audience takes that is that like, you can manifest anything you want into your life with the right mindset. And, you know, some people can believe this and some people don't, but I'm telling you, since I literally brainwashed myself for over a month straight, to me, there was no other option. Yes. If anybody takes anything away, like you're living proof of all of the stuff that you keep manifesting. So like, even if you're on the fence and you're like, well, I don't know about this. Well, what is, um, the worst thing that could happen from starting to believe it and put your thoughts there. Like what's the worst that can come from it? Amazingness. So yeah, I love that. You totally manifested this, this lay down champagne, like I'm coming home. So on the plane, like, I guess, ending off here, any, anything like coming through you or any, I know you said there wasn't like any major, like ahas and epiphanies because you've kind of lived this life in this vibration and you're, you're living this great life. But as you're flying back with your champagne, laying back, you've summited like this tallest freestanding in the mountain mountain in the world raised with a group of people over a million dollars for charity, made these deep connections, got real on the mountain. You all did what you said you were going to do for such a great cause, like any one or two things that kind of came up for you on that flight home as you're leaving Africa? Yeah. I mean, I think like the main thing that I can kind of think of now is that like life is so short 
Do you know how many people would have said no to that? So many people would have talked themselves out. And you know what's sad? I know two people that did, that were on the board that said, no, we're going to go next year. And next year, the world shut down. And Kilimanjaro may not be the same as it ever was. Again, the world is never going to be the same. We all know that. So say yes now. That is something that I do a pretty good job at is I always say yes to things that bring me joy. And I haven't done this my whole life. Obviously, you guys can, you know, listen to my podcast or come say hi over on my social media. Um, But I haven't always done that, but I do a really good job of that now. I usually say yes to the joy and I figure out the how later. And um, yeah, that's something that I think is really, really important. You know, experiences to me are the greatest thing on the planet. Like there is not much more that makes me happier than an experience. You know, a podcast with you or hiking Kilimanjaro or time lunch with a friend, like to me, an experience is the greatest thing in life. And, you know, overall, I just think my motto is just that life is so fucking short. Like that is it. Like I just choose life every time. And, you know, I'm glad that I have that mindset and, you know, I really don't want to get to the end of my life and regret anything. And if I didn't have gotten on this trip, I, who knows, maybe it could have been a different one, but I always want to say yes. I think that, that, that is it, that, that is like the, the mic drop there, like live your life now. And I think what you just said, say yes and figure out the how later. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love talking to you. I'm so, I love you. (laughs) So great. We dived into this trip because, you know, not everybody who has never been in a tent before having to fly 30 hours across the world with people that they don't really know too well, um, would say yes. So I just, yeah, I needed to talk to you about this incredible experience that you had and yeah, where can everybody find you and, you know, jump on the bandwagon, find more about how they can start saying yes and figuring out the how later. Cause that is your, the way that you live life. And I think everybody you know, needs to live life on those terms. Thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you. I think you do something very similar. So that's obviously why I'm really attracted to you. Um, I am Christina Lecure. I am a confidence and success coach. I help people gain the confidence to live a life that they absolutely love and decide it's their turn at any point in time. So um, my whole entire everything is deciding it's your turn. So decide it's your turn to climb Kilimanjaro, jump on a podcast, live a life that you love, whatever it is. So um, my podcast is the decide it's your turn podcast. Candace has been on that and you can find me on Instagram and everything that you need at B Christina, B E C H R I S T I N A, because I encourage every single person to be themselves. And, um, if you want to discuss Kilimanjaro, I'm always open to it. You can send me a text message at any point in time at five zero one, two, 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 three, three, six, two. I, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about it. And if I can answer anything else, perhaps you're headed to Kilimanjaro. Let me know. Yeah. Love it. Love you. And thanks for being on. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of all things relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, 
I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. 